comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abraham <laughs> hey out now is a film podcast which has abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers box office results and predictions a retro review that has to do with the main feature of the week games and other fun stuff the main feature of the week is the new steven soderbergh action film haywire starring gina carano and a host of others and this is episode 41 just you know, I like saying the episode I mean, number. Apparently, the I said now. Uh, yeah, we're a little yeah, we're a little over the hill. And uh, <laughs> um, speaking <laughs> with us about Haywire this week, we have a couple guests. First, we have just to prove to everyone that he's still alive from Damn Dirty Plug and the one man who says he can go full sequence, Jordan Grout. Oh, hello. And from the Legion of Dudes and Walking Dead TV podcast, the man with the voice of the Whiteberry White, Jim Dietz. Hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, how, how are we doing tonight? Great. Just well, thank you. Awesome. awesome. Good to have you guys. I, I'm happy to have Jordan just because we made an awful joke about Jordan being hey, dead last like you. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I can't I can't control myself sometimes, but Jordan, you're very much alive, am I right? Oh, oh, I am. I am. I don't appreciate that joke either. You're going down. Well, all the emails that we got that was <laughs> with concern. They were, they were, they were all from me. There were, there were no emails. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're very much alive. And we have Jim with us too. And that's awesome. Cause I've been wanting to have Jim on for a while because I, I just, and, uh, the sultry sound of Jim Beats. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I've wanted to be on for a while. I've been a big fan of the show ever since you uh, joined our little network over here on our little corner of the internet. So I'm a pl- it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Anyone, if anyone else who enjoys our program, you know, does enjoy our program and likes to, you know, contribute in some way, they could provide some iTunes reviews and ratings for us. It'd be wonderful to do. It's very easy, simple clicks, and maybe even a sentence of some kind of positive compliment. That'd be it'd be great. It helps out the show. Just to just throwing that out there. And um, yeah, let's just uh, get into things. We're gonna start with a little know everybody, where uh, we ask each other a few questions and try to get to know everybody and set the tone for this podcast. And uh, I'm gonna start. Jordan. Hello. What superhero movie do you think Steven Soderbergh could handle? The Shadow. The, ooh. Damn it, that's a great answer right off the Thank bat. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank nothing, you. Nothing to follow that up with. That's just a good <laughs> answer. <laughs> well, that was going to be my answer no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad it worked. All right, Abe. Yes. <laughs> if you could have HR... Giger make a character in Haywire. Explain who that is yeah, for people who don't know. Oh, he was the uh, he designed the uh, creatures in Alien and Species. Okay. Okay. All right. Who would it be? Michael Fassbender. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that. 
there's that'd be awesome if all of a sudden Michael Fassbender just like opens his mouth and like another another head comes out and just eats Gina Carano. Anyway, the head the head would of course look like a younger, handsomer Michael Fassbender, <laughs> and it resembles well, like, another part of his body, which Aaron loves. All right, so uh, Jim, yes sir, would Haywire have been cooler if Michael Fassbender had been the main character? Really? <laughs> <laughs> just go with the cake question. The cake. <laughs> Cake is a lie. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I, I, as much as I would have, actually, I would have rather seen Michael Fassbender in a movie called Magneto Nazi Hunter, based on his part in the first part of uh, X Men First Class. But no, I, I'd rather stare at Gina Carano uh, for a long period of time than Michael Fassbender. Sorry. Well, I can say that every time I play Wolfenstein 3D now, I just assume that I am Michael Fassbender. <laughs> uh, Jim, your question. Uh, favorite Soderbergh films. If you had to sit down and watch a Soderbergh film now, other than Haywire, which one would you pick? I can take that. Uh, Out of Sight. Out of Sight is my de facto favorite Soderbergh movie, and I really like Soderbergh's films in general. We've talked about this before with the In the Contagion episode, I believe, among other times. But uh, yeah, Out of Sight, um, I love that movie. The Limey is one that I really enjoy watching a lot. Oh, The Ocean's Eleven. I like that trilogy. I like Ocean's Eleven the most, of course, but I I enjoy that whole trilogy. I'm not a I'm not a hater on Ocean on the other Ocean's films. They're not perfect, but they're they're second, especially Twelve. Twelve's like a weird experiment. <laughs> I just enjoy that movie. And Traffic's a, a great one too. That's not really one you kind of watch over and over. <laughs> I love the Informant as well. Informant, so, that's a solid Matt Damon performance. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, underrated. Underrated. Yeah, I can go. Um, Abe. Uh-huh. If Ewan McGregor had his lightsaber, and if Michael Fassbender had some further assistance from a certain extra piece of equipment, could they have handled a fight against Mallory? <laughs> I think that Mallory would still be able to destroy them. I mean, the lightsaber, if he had the, does he have the force, or is it just a lightsaber? Well, I say Ewan McGregor, not Obi-Wan, so I'll just say the lightsaber. Okay. I think that, I think she could still take him on. And that, that's, I don't know. I mean, uh, that would be a pretty cool thing to see. But I think that she could, Gina could still take him on. Mallory could still take him on. I like to see MMA fights with lightsabers. <laughs> They'd be missing a lot of limbs. Jordan. Yes. Would you rather see Gina Carano play Mallory, or Chloe Moretz play Mallory? Um. Or Saoirse Ronan play Mallory. That would actually be really <laughs> awesome. Oh yeah, the third one. Saoirse Ronan. Announce her name. But yeah. Well, let's yeah. just make it the Saoirse Ronan, Gina Carano, Hannah Mahaywire. Mashup movie. Okay, now I watch Hannah. I should have bought. Oh, I should have bought Hannah at Blockbuster. Damn it. <laughs> okay, who am I asking? You're asking uh, Jim. Okay, this is a Troy question. The uh... no. <laughs> <laughs> the fight between Achilles and Hector. What score would you like that play to? I was really hoping you were going to tie it back into Haywire, but you didn't. No. I would I would like to play the uh, the same battle theme they had during the original Star Trek uh, series when Kirk and Spock would fight. Oh. You know that. You know that one. Yes. Oh yes. This is why we have Jim Deets on our show. Oh yeah. That's 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 where I would take it. Okay. I like that. That's better than what I thought of. Mallory from Haywire, Jason Bourne locked in a room who walks out. Oof. Oh. Now, are there other objects in the room, like a newspaper <laughs> or a book? 
Is it just an empty room? Well, let's say that anything you'd find in a regular motel room. So I guess there'd be a Bible in the in the uh, okay. stand. Okay. All right. Hmm. That's that's tough, guys. I think I'd have to go with Jason Bourne. There'd be a lot of improv. That's for sure. <laughs> it basically comes down to the books versus the walls that Mallory uses to her advantage. So. Jason's pretty good in open space. He is. <laughs> Damn. I'll, I'll probably go born, I guess, just because, damn, he, he, knew, he knows how to use a book. Chloe Moritz. <laughs> <laughs> As hit girl, yeah. And that brings us to the end of Know Everybody. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad we all know each other just a little bit better because of this conversation that we just had. Anyway, moving on, we're going to do a little movie trailer talk where we try to discuss a couple of the latest movie trailers. And... Um, we have a couple action trailers this week to talk about, and the first is going to be Expendables 2, the sequel to Expendables 1, which uh, starred <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, and, you know... Because, of, because a grateful nation demanded it. <laughs> it did. And, uh, yeah, this is the sequel to, of course, the, 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 the big star first Expendables film that had, of course, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Schwarzenegger, Willis, Randy Couture. There's a bunch of people in this one. Who else? Who am I thinking? Dolph Lundgren? Did I say that? Anyway. What? Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Yeah, okay. This this sequel, of course, adds a couple people in there, including a Hemsworth, but not Chris Hemsworth. It involves Liam Hemsworth and um, Jean-Claude Van Damme and, of course, Chuck Norris. No, they just throw, like, Colin Hanks in there just for good measure. (laughs) As the geek... (laughs) <laughs> but um, he's like the he's like the palate cleanser. <laughs> and uh, from what I, from what we can see, uh, Schwarzenegger and Willis both have extended roles this time, opposed to just you know weird cameos. And yeah, I, I, earlier I might have said that this promises to be bigger and badder than the first Expendables, but with news this week from break from Chuck Norris and then confirmed by Stallone, the Expendables two is going to be PG thirteen and not R rated. So. With all that in mind, what do we think about Expendables 2 coming out from the trailer in regards to the first Expendables, I guess? Jordan? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. Even if it were R, I wouldn't be looking forward to it that much. I, I was not a fan of the first one. And I can't even remember any like memorable violent scenes in it. I, uh, I would have to say if it's going to be PG-13, it would probably... I think pretty much be a waste of time because the, the kind of people that really want to see an Expendables 2 do not want to see it as a PG-13 movie. Uh, I know Johnny M from uh, the LOD podcast and from the Walking Dead TV podcast, huge Expendables fan, the biggest fan in the world, but I doubt even he would go see it if it were a PG-13 rated film. So well, He'll probably go see it, it's just the expectation is going to be moderately lower, I'd imagine. <laughs> Or you'll wait for the Blu-ray director's cut with the actual, you know, uh, violence in it. That's true. Has anybody seen the original director's cut that's out now? I have not seen the director's cut of the the Expendables, but with that said, I wasn't a big fan of the first Expendables. It was okay, just because of that novelty of having, hey, there's a whole bunch of action stars from various decades, so, you know, that could be cool, but honestly, it was... I thought it was kind of a limp. I was I was disappointed with the, with the first Expendables film, but yeah, yeah, you know, there's a sequel and it has even more stars. You know who they're missing? I'm kind of it's even a... more Expendable. <laughs> <laughs> All they need is like Steven Seagal, and this would be like the biggest movie ever. 
Well, given the size of Steven Seagal, you're certainly right about that, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't too impressed with it. Uh, the first one even wasn't that good, um, even though I was looking forward to it, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm not too impressed. I'm probably uh, am not going to be missing out on anything if I just caught this on DVD. Well, we'll see when, you know, we get to that week and we have to talk about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so the next trailer we can talk about is G.I. Joe Retaliation. G.I. Joe! The sequel to the first G.I. Joe film directed by Steven Summers. This time, this G.I. Joe is directed by John Chu. And I'm just going to, I believe that's right. Let me make sure that's right. Edit this out if I'm wrong. You don't like to be <laughs> wrong in this podcast. I don't like to be yeah. on this podcast. I got it right. John M. Chu. And that name may not be too familiar to people. It's There's going to be a little grasping when I say the directing credits that John M. Chu has had. But I'm going to read them right now. Step Up 2, Step Up 3D, and Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Now, before anyone says anything about those credits, know this. The way those dance sequences have been designed in Step Up 3D in particular, those are... When, when I saw that movie, and I did see Step Up 3D... They basically they equaled out to action sequences, the way they're framed and set up, and they're very clear and fluid. And watching Step Up 3D, I was like, this guy could direct an action movie and make it work really well. To my surprise, he got, you know, when he was announced that he was going to be directing G.I. Joe 2, I was really excited about this. Like, that's exactly what I said when I saw Step Up 3D. He should do an action movie, and now he's doing one. And based on this trailer, which is ridiculous and stupid and over the top, it looks like a fun movie to me. <laughs> Aaron, you just let everything go, didn't you? You're just like, I love him so much. You just love Justin Bieber. Just admit it. I'll say this about the, the I Justin, love Justin Bieber. I'll say this about okay, the Justin Aaron. Bieber movie. It's not my music. It's not meant to be my music. But that documentary, it's not a bad documentary. It does what it's <laughs> supposed to do. I had to review that. I had to review the Blu-ray for that movie for for Why So Blue. I requested it. It was it was thrown out there as an offer. I was like, I'll take it. And I looked at it because I because I because of my familiarity with John M. Chu as a director, and it's a solid documentary. It's not you know I'm not about to like buy a Justin Bieber CD, but it's a well-made film. And if GI Joe Two can pull off being a good, film. but regardless, we're going way off topic because GI Joe Two has the freaking rock in it. Yeah. <laughs> let alone like this, let alone Snake Eyes is back. It's got this really cool like mix of uh, of uh, uh, the White Stripes song in the trailer. It's just it's just it's, it's a fun trailer. I was digging it, and I'm looking forward to the movie. I'll say this: if the rock is in it, I think it'll be pretty enjoyable. But I, I won't hold my hat my hopes up too high. The Rock looks way less sweaty in this trailer than he did in Fast Five. <laughs> less cut, too. Less cut. They'll fix that. Well, I guess the bigger news for me even was uh, Bruce Willis. Yes, yeah, Bruce that was Willis, weird. Yeah. Bruce Willis stars as the original G.I. Joe in the film. Yep. Is he, like, riding around in the back of an El Camino and just shooting? He's riding along in an automobile. <laughs> what, what do we think of the first G.I. Joe film? I loved it. <laughs> I think that uh, Channing Tatum should stick to Why are awesome you laughing comics. at me? I did. No, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that, like, you know, it's it's cool if you do. I I, I didn't like it that much. I, Don't judge me. I could say that the the first G.I. Joe film was in competition for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen for, you know, most explosions and most ridiculous movie. And I think I think G.I. Joe 1 wasn't by a mile. But I, I, I had more. It was more. It was, you know, it was only two hours opposed to two and a half hours. So, you know, that was something. Hmm. There's no, um... Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this one. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Not for him, probably. They did, they did show them uh, putting up the Cobra flag and banners on the White House, though. Yeah, so, you know. I can't wait. Stuff's going to get real in that movie. <laughs> Looks like uh, Channing Tatum dies in, like, the first ten minutes. 
hey, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already killed off Marlon Wayans, apparently, which is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Not Marlon Wayans, no! <laughs> well, regardless, um, Expendables 2 comes out August 17th, and G.I. Joe Retaliation comes out June 29th. So uh, this summer, you know, you got... You got those two to look forward to, among others, because cl- clearly those are higher than Dark Knight Rise and the Avengers. But moving on, here we are. Let's move on to our film review of Haywire. You're really not getting in the car, are you? I don't think so. She is our nation's most valuable weapon. You got a car? That's why they trained her. Negotiations broke down. We just need somebody to go and get the guy. Wow, that's actually real? Oh, yeah. All right, so that was a little bit of the trailer for Haywire, the new Steven Soderbergh action film starring Gina Carano and a whole bunch of other people. I guess I can try to list them right now. Gina Carano, uh, Michael Fassbender, Ewan McGregor, Bill Paxton... Channing Tatum, Antonio Banderas, and Michael Douglas. Big, big, big cast, and this is a pretty pretty standard uh, action story about uh, Gina Carano stars as a kind of a, an independent contractor of sorts, and she is work, working on a, on a mission under her handler, played by Ewan McGregor, who they do one, they pull off a job, and then she's put onto another job, which leads to her being betrayed, and she is forced to kind of handle her situation on her own as she tries to seek vengeance on those who actually betrayed her. Lots of double-crossing and MMA fighting scenes ensue and, you know, action and whatnot. So, <laughs> that wonderfully vague explanation of what the film is about, let's start with Jordan. Jordan, what did you think of Haywire? Um, I liked it a lot. I didn't love it, but um, it, it, it's kind of a bummer. To, to say that the uh, that the staging and choreography are old-fashioned, but I, I feel like that's true, and it's uh, refreshing to see something like this where where you can see what's going on, and 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 it's still just as visceral as as the crazy uh, what's his name Paul Greengrass type action scenes. Um, however, I, I I think the screenplay was a bit lacking. Um, think the plot was a bit too convoluted uh didn't need to be that complex i felt and uh there there were uh, elements of it that i i wish they would have um, explored more but didn't but you know i it makes up for it in outstanding action sequences so all right jim what did you think of the film I, I enjoyed it. It was, as, as you said, it was fairly standard. I, it, it reminded me of other films as I was watching it. I think the most refreshing thing I took away from Haywire was seeing Gina Carano in the action sequences. And I mean, I, I was having this conversation the other day with one of my servers in my restaurant about um, the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar is a good actress or whatever, but in the show, anytime she'd have to fight anyone, in comes the 18-year-old guy in the blonde wig, you know, as a stand-in. Um, it was very obvious when they switched from one to the other. What I really appreciate about the action sequences in this is that not only, uh, G- I mean, Gina Carano, not an Academy Award-winning actress, but able to pull off these these action sequences believably and to be, you know, intimidating physically and a believable threat, you know, in these um, in these um, you know, these action sequences. I recently saw this on uh, the movie Columbiana, if you, did you yes. guess uh, so that? Uh, you know, 
I saw it, yeah. Very much like very similar theme, you know, revenge flick, you know, woman or whatever. But I didn't really buy uh, Zoe Saldana as an action star, you know, in the in sequences or whatever. Not nearly as much as I do Gina Carano in that. Ass. And uh, I kind of like her look. She kind of has like a Malin Ackerman look to me, uh, you know, in her face. But the um, I really uh, I really appreciated her in the action sequences and the like. Actually, being able to watch her, you know, perform the, the, these kind of fight sequences and be believable you know what i mean it, it, was, it was it was very refreshing to see that in a female protagonist and uh i mean we know soderbergh can do good revenge flicks i mean we've seen the limey before obviously one of my favorite revenge flicks of all time um but i just kind of feel it felt like the plot was just kind of boilerplate and standard and it was punctuated by a lot of really great action sequences cool uh, Abe, what did you think? Uh, yeah, aside from all the action sequences, I was actually pretty bored with this movie. There were a lot of uh, a lot of downtime in between the action sequences. Um, a lot of stuff is is unexplained as well. I, I kind of didn't really like how she's just driving along and then explaining something to this stranger that she knows, and then they kind of don't really tie that end up. They they kind of just leave that open for you to figure out. Um, I feel as though there were some a lot of actors were unused or are just not used that well. I think that Bill Paxton could have been awesome, but you know, either by saying uh, "game over, man," that would have been awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it got it kind of really weird at the end. It was just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, all I'll say is just Barcelona, and that was weird. So, um, I, aside from the cool action pieces, and I, I am there with Jordan too, which is you can actually see what's going on. I really appreciated that. I really wasn't really digging this movie that much. It's certainly streamlined. The um, <clears throat> there's not much to this to this film beyond its action. I mean, the the plot it has complexity, sure, in terms of there's double crosses and there's things going on in it. But getting right down to it, it's just a movie. You know, she has to she has to get revenge on these people based on what happened. And with all that out of the way, just as as the movie plays out, what really <clears throat> what kept me involved in it was honestly it was the score by david holmes um it has a the second it kind of kicked in i kind of knew what film i was going to be watching and i think many will be kind of they'll be kind of thinking it's going to be something like a jason Bourne film except with a woman but what it really is is more of a 1970s revenge kind of flick with someone like lee marvin or like clint eastwood in the in the title role it just happens to be a female using mixed martial arts skills as opposed to you know a gun and a badass attitude and because of that, I was really kind of into it throughout. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a really, it's a, it works as a as a decent action film that has kind of an offbeat approach, opposed to being a you know a standard, like Colombiano would be a good <laughs> good example of that because it's that movie is completely average in every way. And this movie, it's also average, but it kind of goes a bit higher just because of how it's shot, how it's how Steven Soderbergh's style kind of factors in and. I dug that. I dug that about the film. I think the, I mean, obviously the highlights are the action scenes of Carano, who, you know, certainly proves herself in terms of being a tough chick on screen. She's, this is like her first, this is her first movie. I mean, Soderbergh literally found, you know, picked her out of of obscurity of MMA fame and just said, I want to build a movie around a tough chick and, you know, see how it plays out. And yeah, it's, the movie's not designed to give her big emotional dive monologues, but, you know, when she, She's put up to the task of, you know, fighting people. She's certainly effective. And with that said, I mean, the rest of the cast are they're basically serviceable. I, uh, I'd go, I'd go out of my way to point out Channing Tatum because 
when oh, I yeah. first when I first start no no in a good way because when I first saw oh no yeah yeah I'm with you when I when I first kind of saw Channing Tatum arriving like in more movies like early on I actually Step Up was the first movie I saw Channing Tatum in. but um <clears throat> he he kind of you know has this presence of oh, just some kind of block of wood actor guy no no real name but every time I kind of see him I kind of like I like seeing him around he's kind of he's become kind of you know makes you excited for Twenty One Jump Street doesn't it it does I'm really excited <laughs> for Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> But I, I think he, I think he did solid work in this film in particular, just given the role that he has to play. And I mean, it, we all we all know that Michael Fassbender is amazing all the time. But so Word. you know, he does well. Why do you have to go? Can she handle herself. I'm sure you'll cope. I've never done a woman before. Oh, you shouldn't think of her as being a woman. No, that would be a mistake. But yeah, overall, overall, I, 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 dug, I, dug, I dug the film. Yeah, I think this is definitely Channing Tatum's best uh, performance. And I'm looking forward, because he's working with uh, Soderbergh and his yeah. next one. Yeah. Um, I think it's a comedy, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is, I believe, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, after seeing this movie, I'm really looking forward to that. I think Ewan McGregor was actually, like, the weak link in the whole thing. His accent was terrible. Yeah, he has that... <laughs> Uber Gurger always has a weird thing where he tries to do an American accent, and it never really seems to quite work. Yet he's still done it, like in many films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't hate him in it, but I just thought he was the weak link. Yeah, um, but I mean, getting back to the whole entire plot of it all, I think the plot of it was, I think they're making it more complex than it had to be. It was, uh, yeah, sure, there were a lot of different crosses. I was able to follow it just fine, but it was just, it kind of dragged out, and it was kind of. I don't know. I mean, boilerplate is what you guys have said in the past. Yeah, it is, but at the same time, it's also just kind of cheesy as well. And I, I kind of didn't really dig that. But yeah, I totally agree with the the, the music. Um, yeah, the, it's kind of an up. Yeah, jazzy it's, it's kind of really like it's kind of cool. You know, uh, it yeah, reminded me a David lot of Holmes, Ocean's see, Eleven. Yeah, David Holmes worked on the Ocean's trilogy and Out of Sight, which I love all of those scores. And actually, in particular with the Ocean sequels, I was like, well, at least I'm going to get another David Holmes score out yeah. of this. That's like what I'm looking forward to every time I saw another one of those movies. And I did not know going into Haywire that it was going to be David Holmes scoring the film. But the second it kicked in, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a David Holmes score. And it just has this really kind of this up-tempo kind of jazzy feel to it where I just kind of, it just made me dig the movie yeah. a whole lot more than I could have if it had, you know, a regular kind of act, basic action score to it. What do you guys think of, like, yeah. the, the filters that uh, Soderbergh used um, either at the night assault or during, like, the, that yellowish assault when they're just talking? Was it pretty standard Soderbergh for you guys? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that, actually. It certainly has a stamp all over the film. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't notice that he used like a filter thing at the end when when they're in the dark until she goes outside and you can still see there's a lot of uh, it looks like a water effect or what have you it's just like this blue water effect yeah I just thought it was moonlight but yeah it's true it's definitely got his stamp all over it yeah sir it's not trying to be traffic or anything in terms of like you know crazy deliberate distinct visual tones for different scenes but I mean yeah it has a lot of has a lot of fun with the photography and, you know, a lot of ways to make it seem basically artsier than it needs to be just to kind of, you know, give it a distinct feel opposed to being, you know, just another action movie, which is, and it really, I mean, it is just another action movie overall, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I had fun with it. You enjoyed like, even yeah, like I mean, the middle scenes? Sorry about that. I would, I would say like the in-between fight scenes where she's just, I, 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 okay, I'll, I'll say this. I, 
besides the the opening fight sequence with Channing with Channing Tatum where she just beats the hell out of him, uh, well they beat the hell out of each other really as a scene. sweet fight scene. Be be besides that, the movie really kicks into gear for me basically when she meets up with Fastbender. So there's like another even kind of mid, basically when she starts fighting with Fastbender. That's really yeah. when the movie kind of kicks in. So there's like a, for me it's barely thirty minutes in. That's where like the plot kind. That's where the the film's energy kind of kicks into kind of a straight place for me on through after that fight scene and onward, I just, I didn't have a problem with how the film was, how the film's pace was playing out mm-hmm. in terms of pacing. How is it for you, Jim? Did you, were you engaged? I, thought, with I, I don't know. I, like I said, the, the, um, to go back to a point that you made earlier, it just seemed very, very rote, very by the numbers. The plot just didn't interest me very much at all. Um, a, a, a good point you made about Ewan McGregor's, Ewan McGregor's, uh, you know, not well uh, uh, executed American accent, which was distracting. You know, it just, it just seemed like, um, I mean, uh, it was, it was well shot, obviously, because I mean, Soderbergh, you know, is, is, is a craftsman, but I just really really didn't didn't really connect didn't really didn't really care other than you know okay when's the next action sequence what's the next you know what's the next uh payoff the the plot it wasn't that it was you know too convoluted it was more like okay well you know obviously it's about time for someone to double cross her okay there's the double cross you know i mean it wasn't there wasn't any you know big surprise or oh my god or you know uh, any kind of like that, I just it just seemed like I, I kept waiting through the the plot uh, and exposition to get to the next action sequence. Yeah, even when that point is revealed later in the film about what's going on at with the uh, the reporter, um, you're kind of like, well, okay, and then you're not really blown away by it. Um, it just it's kind of weird, and they kind of just explain it out of nowhere. While while these two guys are walking down a hallway, it's kind of just it's, it's not really that cool. Um, the way that they did it, but again, I was just waiting for the action sequences. Yeah, and that fastbender sequence, that one was pretty cool. Um, I was I was sad to see him go. Also, not to be gay or anything, but Michael Fastbender, he's pretty toned. Yeah, he's Michael Fastbender. <laughs> We've gone over this. I mean, you need you need to watch Shame. Apparently, yeah, I <laughs> see how toned Magneto is, how he is. You'll see Magneto's helmet, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I this isn't an excuse. Yeah. This isn't an excuse to, this is an excuse for well this is kind of an excuse for the film but I mean it's certainly not trying to be anything more than it is. It, it the, the film knows exactly what kind of movie it is and I I understand that's not a great excuse but it's you know the plot's very inconsequential like the movie knows it's it's about these scenes and about just showcasing the skills that Corrado has, as well as just having a little bit of fun. Like I, I think Michael Douglas, with what he's given to do, he has fun with his scenes that he has. <laughs> like he, he, he does. He doesn't really. He's not really like trying to to be just a great authoritative figure. He's just having. He has. A, yeah. There's like one scene where there's a phone conversation between him and Antonio Banderas, which is kind of hilarious to me. And he play. And it play. It plays out that way. Like it doesn't. It's not trying to be serious. It's trying. It's like him warning him, but doing it in like the most blasé manner. Where he's just like, maybe you should just try to stay in your house for a while. That's how I call and your that. family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like the way it's and what do we what do we think of Antonio Banderas' beard, by the way? That's another question. I think he was going oh, with the Clooney look. That thing in an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's 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 geared up for Syriana part two. <laughs> he looks like the younger version of the Dosekis guy. <laughs> Just there the most it is. Interesting man in the world. <laughs> it looks like he came out of the thing, that epic beard. Yeah, there's a callback. <laughs> That's why I said it. Yeah. Thank you. 
Uh, all right, so uh, I think we've, but we've, with Antonio Banderas's beard in mind, I think we've thoroughly discussed the haywire and our reaction to it. Let's get let's get to our uh, rating of the film. And each week we try to kind of rate films based on when you should go and see it, as opposed to a, a number, a thumbs up, or whatever. So with, with that in mind, we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV. Just kind of forget about it. So uh, on that scale, Jordan, where would you put Haywire? It was fun watching it in a theater with a uh, a crowd of people that they, they were laughing and cheering throughout. And yeah, so yeah, theater. A couple walked out though, like ten minutes in, so that was weird. But um, yeah. Other than that, the theater loved it. So I'd say theater. The crowd loved it, not the actual theater. Jim Deeds. I'd say Netflix. Uh, I liked it, but I didn't. You know, it didn't wow me, and I wouldn't really see it. I point to seeing it on a big screen. Really, it's not a you know a spectacle type film. So I'd go Netflix. Abe. Yeah, I'd say HBO. I think you can really kind of just wait for premium cable to to have it. Like a Haywire apparently has like our mo- our most diverse rating scale. This is uh, awesome. So awkward now. <laughs> I'm going like a dollar theater. I think is where where you can go see it. I think it, you know, yeah. I, it's certainly it, it's it's very much kind of a, an an adult action movie. Like it's not really like one that like the teenagers are all gonna go pile up and like go and see. It's more like a you know, an older couple can go out and see this movie and see a girl kicking ass and then you know at the dollar theater will be the place to do that. God, I just feel like a jerk now. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, with that in mind, and Jordan's jerkiness, uh, let's move on to uh, we'll move on to the box office, where uh, each week we kind of go over the box office totals and find out if our previous week's predictions were uh, anywhere near what the actuals were. And uh, previously, we had uh, two marks, and Mark Hoban predicted seven million in around fourth place. Mark Johnson predict he he tried to go ultimate prizes right rules and predicted one dollar in third place. Abe, do you remember your yeah, wonderful I, prediction? I, I, I said second place with $22 million. You did You did say that. I predicted I, I predicted fourth place with $8 million. And um, I'm kind of the closest this week. It came in at fifth place with $9 million. So it's almost dead on. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, of course, I suck. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course, um, interchangeable heroin action star with the female involving either zombies vampires or werewolves underworld awakening came in at first place uh, that was an elaborate description and uh, then you had the red tails which is a really really bad movie we oh ooh. i'm glad we i kind of wish we talked about red tails <laughs> just because i can tell you how bad that movie is but that came in it's like it's was a, there a redeeming because, like, effort in that movie Aaron? was there i mean there's three dog fighting sequences really and in between that, there's a lot, a lot of terrible dialogue and cliched story beats and just really bad stuff. And it just, you really have to want to see dog bites and not just watch Star Wars to really kind of get any kind of appreciation out of Red Tails. Mm. So, yeah. Those are my two cents on Red Tails, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, not even Brian Cranston could save it? Brian, oh my god. I Brian Cranston between this and um, Larry Crown... <laughs> my number one worst movie of last year has not Larry Crown. He, oh my God, he's. I gotta watch that tonight. I've, I've compared Larry Crown to the room in terms of his scenes. That's how bad his scenes in Larry Crown are, which is really unfortunate given that he's great in Drive and let alone Breaking Bad. You know, the best yeah. show on TV. But um, that's enough about Red Tails. <laughs> so, yeah, Haywire, fifth place, nine million, costs like a little over twenty million to make. So you know, it'll do fine. It'll break back. And uh, speaking of Haywire, once again, we're going to go on to our retro review, where we kind of discuss a few movies that we might have thought of while watching or after the fact involving Haywire. So with that said, Jordan, any films came to mind? 
I thought of actually Colombiana because I, I only watched like 30 minutes of that movie and I turned it off. But I thought about it mm. and how much better Haywire was and how if I, I were sitting at home, I would not turn Haywire off. Yes. It seems so like on point. All right. <laughs> uh, Jim, any, any movies come to mind when watching Haywire? Uh, I was thinking of a better uh, revenge, female revenge film, Foxy Brown, with Pam Greer. Mm. Oh, oh my God! Steve, Steven Soderbergh has actually described his Haywire as um, he's described it as um, a, a Pam Greer movie directed by Alfred Hitchcock. That's how he's described it. It just uh, the whole female revenge angle reminded me of uh, that movie very much because I've just seen it recently. Cool, Abe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just went with like the Bourne trilogy, and just in terms of he's got to get some revenge. There's like this weird complex storyline and. The action sequences, but again, the action sequences I feel were, were better handled in uh, Haywire. Um, I'll, uh, I have two that came to mind. One is The Limey, which we mentioned before. It's a Steven Soderbergh film starring Terrence Stamp, and it's a revenge flick, and it has the same screenwriter, actually, as Haywire, Lem Dobbs. And uh, yeah, that's just, a, that's just a really cool, solid movie. Really cool revenge flick, very simple, but has a really, really cool editing scheme to it. It makes it kind of stand out, makes it very distinct. And uh, the other movie I don't think many people have seen, it's called Spartan. It stars Val Kilmer, and it's from David Mamet. It's from, like, 2004, I believe. And you know that movie, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm a big fan of Spartan. Like, it, the, uh, it's basically uh, Val Kilmer before he got really fat. His last role where he's quite fit. He's kind of a secret. He's kind of a secret agent. Not a, he's like a, like, a, like a Marine or a Delta Force guy or something, but he, uh, he's kind of brought in to help find the president's daughter who's been kidnapped and it's the the way it's handled is very kind of matter because david mamet has a way of writing dialogue and kind of scenes and it's very to the point it doesn't really it doesn't try to explain everything outright it just gets it cuts to the chase and has a very deliberate kind of way of speaking everything and that's it kind of reminded me of haywire the way the dialogue's kind of written where it's not always it's it doesn't treat the audience like idiots it doesn't kind of lay everything out in just huge long exposition sequences and it, it just kind of lets it play out. Now, whether or not that works to the film detriment, Haywire, we, we were kind of mixed on that. But in that in that kind of way, that's why I thought of Spartan, which is just a cool movie that I, I'd recommend just because I like that movie quite a bit. So with all of that said, I guess we can move on to something we haven't done in quite some time. Yeah, we haven't done this in like a month. Yeah, we haven't done it in quite some time. Abe. Do you, do you want to clue people in as to what I'm referring I to. I think it starts with a G and ends with an AIM. It does, and it is called Game Time. Aaron, I think that you can be an Academy Award winning composer. Yeah, I think so. It's between me and Howard Shore this year at the Oscars, oh, actually. So I think you're a shoo-in. Thank you. Well, we'll find out on January 24th, I believe, when the Oscar nominations hits the day this podcast comes out. So, with all that said, we're gonna play. So we're gonna play some games. Game time. Yeah. And uh, yes. so we have we have plenty of guests this week that we can do knockout. And um, just to refresh everyone's memory, knockout is a game where we take we one of us names an actor or director, and then the remaining three name a film. That you know, one of that one of those actors or directors films, and we keep going in a circle until you know, one, until people are progressively knocked out. If we take too long to try to think of an answer, so I will name someone first. Let me think of something. Okay, I won't. I won't think of something next because you're all gonna think. I'm gonna say the order shall go: Abe, Jordan, Jim. Okay. Okay. So we'll go around in a circle that way: Abe, Jordan, Jim. Okay. The actor I'm thinking is Bill Paxton. Go. Aliens. Hatchet. Royalty. Titanic. Uh, tornado. 
That's not a movie. What? Twister. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm out. Term- Terminator. Um, Thunderbirds. <laughs> Avatar. It's not an Avatar. You're out. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> A simple plan. It's go. It's over. You yeah, won. Yeah, you won, Jordan. Yes. Jordan gets a point. Spy Kids 3D. Thank you. <laughs> Does he get Spy okay. Kids 3D? Yeah, he is. He's in Spy Kids 2 and Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> Jordan, you think of one. And we'll go me, Abe, Jim. Okay. Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> okay. In, in Bruges. Um, the Guard. Pass. I have no idea who Brendan Gleeson is. I'm sorry. Uh, 28 Days Later. Uh, was he in uh, Gangs of New York? Yep. Okay. Um, Braveheart. Uh, any other Irish movie? Thank you. <laughs> I, we'll, go, we'll go me, Jordan, Jim. Yeah, Aaron, Jordan, Jim. Okay. Steve Martin. The Jerk. Um, Parenthood. All of Me. The Man with Two Brains. Little Shop of Horrors. The Lonely Guy. Bringing Down the House. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Shop Girl. Ooh. L.A. Story. Keeper by the Dozen 2. <laughs> the Pink Panther 2. Father of the Bride. Bowfinger. Uh, Roxanne. The Blues Brothers. Is he in the Blues Brothers? I thought he was in the Blues Brothers. I might be wrong. I don't think he's in the I don't think so. I think okay, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. Sorry, I'm Jim. Out. The, th- the Three Amigos. Baby Mama. Oh, damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Cheaper by the dozen one. <laughs> Damn you. Um, Looney Tunes, back in action. Father of the Bride, part two. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, <laughs> um, oh, Sergeant Bilko. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I got one, hold on, I got one. I got out, I can't leave it. <laughs> oh, oh. I was gonna say the out of towners. Damn it, <laughs> Jordan! You are you are alive and well, and you won two games. Oh, my life is is complete. That was, that was a good one. And no one said planes, trains, and automobiles. Damn it! No one said planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Should we do one more? I think so. Yeah, we. I think we have time for it. Well, Jordan, you name one. You <laughs> one two. We'll go me, Abe, Jim again. Okay. Ooh, ooh, this is gonna be easy. Liam Neeson. <laughs> The A-Team. Taken. The Grey. Episode 1. <laughs> Batman Begins. Uh, awake. Aware. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you awake, yeah. Rob Roy. Uh, some other Irish movie. Thank you, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the Irish movies. <laughs> Michael Collins. Let me Rob. I, I, I'm out, uh, too. Yeah. No one said Dark Man. No one said. I, uh, just uh, like, he was in Schindler's List. Uh, yeah, no one, yeah, no one said. Ah. Uh, what about the Haunting classic? Ah. Uh, uh, I meant uh, that in, in regards to the Haunting's quality. Okay, never moving on. Um, <laughs> that's gonna bring, that's gonna bring us to next week where we talk about a Liam Neeson film. It's called The Gray. Oh, can't and, wait. Yeah, the new Joe Carnahan directed film, which involves Liam Neeson. And a few others surviving a plane crash and facing the, the the horrible survival story, which is always intense. And um, I can say right now that just be weary of how that movie's being advertised. That's all I'll say. Mm. And it's supposed uh, to be great. That's it's it's great. That's for sure. Mm. 
I'm just saying no, really just, not it's today. not it, don't don't focus too much on the the central thing that you know in the advertisements. I'll just say that. With that said, let's predict what we think the Gray is going to do next weekend. Uh, the Gray opens with Man on the Ledge and the new Cafford Heigl joint, one for the money. Yay. Let oh, alone what? Aldi. We got to talk about that. <laughs> Heigl, all right. <laughs> so with all, with all that, um, Abe, what do you think the Gray is going to do the next weekend? Uh, I'm going to go conservative this weekend. I think I'll I'll say uh, third place with nine million. Jordan, I don't know. I'll say um, I think you could do. Uh first place with uh i don't know let's say 14 i uh will i will go a second place showing at 10 million and i i'm gonna hmm, let's see i'm gonna say second place as well and i'm i'll say i'll say a strong 13 million Mm -hmm. yeah that's where i think we're gonna go with and uh, yeah, that with that in mind, I guess that's going to take us to the end of the show. This is going to do it for Out Now with Aaron and Abe this week. Um, you can find more of my work on my personal blog site, thecodezeek.com, where you can find all my written reviews, as well as at ysoblue.com for Blu-ray reviews and you know other good stuff. And you can also find me at Twitter, twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. Abe? Uh, you can find more of my work at walrusmoose.blogspot.com, two animals, walrusmoose.blogspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Jordan? Oh, you can find me at damndirtyblog.blogspot.com. I just put up my favorite films of 2005. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go check that. <laughs> 2005. 2005. I definitely wow, need to check that out. Wow, 2005. Just in time. <laughs> so uh, go check that out. Uh, Jim. And uh, you can follow me at, at Yoda Jones on Twitter. I'm on the Legion of Dudes podcast, available at the HHWLOD podcast network, available at legionofdudes.com, HHWLOD.com. Also, I've been contributing a blog going on at readingwatchmen.com about the comic book Watchmen. Uh, we're trying to put together like an academic resource for the books. Check me out there. Oh, that sounds, sounds awesome. Interesting. I might go check that out. Yeah, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe at iTunes. Uh, you can also find it at hhwlod.com. As Jim has mentioned, where all the other shows on the HHWLOD podcast network are available to see. Um, you can also find some of the newest episodes and some exclusives at outnow.podomatic.com. You can feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com and praise Abe for managing to somehow be incredibly tardy, yet none of us bring it up throughout the show, as well as praise Jim Dietz for providing some sultry tones to the episode, and just say hi to Jordan and congratulate him on still being alive. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And you can also like our so page. so nonchalant about that. <laughs> you, can, you can like our page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast where we, uh, you know, we have a lot of, I like having fun on that page. We can post updates and whatnot. And uh, finally, I'm just going to put a shout out out there to Adam Gentry, friend of the show, been on multiple times. He's currently in the sun. He's at Sundance right now. He's at these uh, at, at the Sundance Film Festival, checking out tons of movies, and he's writing up about it. So I might put a link to that in the show notes as well. And you know, it's cool to know that our friend is you know out there having fun in Sundance, yeah, watching a lot of cool movies that are going to come out soon. What a jerk. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so with uh, all that in mind, I guess that's going to do it. So until next time, so long and goodbye. See you guys. See you next week.
I'll, I'll probably go Bourne, I guess, just because, damn, he, he, knew, he knows how to use a book. Chloe Moritz. <laughs> <laughs> As hit girl, yeah. 